I'm Kyle Mylan, and after 20 years in manufacturing, nobody knows more than me about industrial marketing and technical sales. I was the problem, the only one stopping me. I didn't like it, I had to refocus. Now I'm devoted, I know where I'm going. Controlling emotions, I'm owning the moment. In order to get it, see, you gotta want it. This type of film make a living break. Confessions over these 808. Here are the top five technical sales myths that I'm gonna debunk. Let's get into it. Technical sales myths. Number one technical sales myth that I have seen in the last 20 years and I continue to see is cold calls and cold visits don't work. What are you guys doing? Why can you, how could you guys possibly say that? We've had people here in the office say that, that cold visits, cold calls don't work. That is 100% false. They work to the level that you work them. If you make 100 calls, I'm not saying that I'm going to make 100 calls and I'm going to get three opportunities from those 100 calls. Everything is relative and it all happens over time. There's a lot of factors that go into this. Who are you calling? Is their contact information good? Have you pre-qualified them to a certain extent to say there's a high likelihood that they're in the industry, they're in the job function where if I pitch my stuff to them, they're like, yes, I would possibly consider using that. Or yes, I have problems with what it is that you're trying to solve. For instance, if you're selling accounting services and you're calling people that don't use accounting services, you're going to have a 100% rejection rate. There has to go be some stuff that goes into it. But just making 100 calls, 50 calls, and being like, dude, didn't work, don't have any meetings, you got, is the data good? Is the list good? Are they the right people? Then you've got the timing factor, which you guys said in the poll was part of the reason why deals fall apart, is the timing. Maybe the timing of when you can deliver the product or service, or maybe it's just the timing of their need. You may call somebody today, they don't answer, or you talk to them and say, we don't need it right now. This happens all the time to us. We're calling people and they're like, we're under contract with an agency until this point in time. Hit me back up then. It's all about timing. If we didn't make that call, we wouldn't have that information. What are we going to do with that information? That's going to dictate the next steps that we do from a sales standpoint. But too often people have become lazy and just want to say, I'm just going to market and I'm just going to send out email blasts because I can do that at scale and I don't have to actually put in a lot of work into it and follow up is automated when they move away from the actual task of saying marketing is doing its job, bringing in traffic, bringing in opportunities, bringing in leads, right? But the salespeople's job is to go out there and pull people into the pipeline. You're outbound. You're not inbound. In order to do that, you have to get out there and take action. Cold visits still do work. They work to a certain percentage. You have to look at it from a standpoint. If I visit 10 people today, the likelihood of me having an actual real conversation with somebody talking about what it is that they do and what it is that their problems are is probably around 10 to maybe 20% of the time. So one to two out of 10 people will actually make the time to talk to you. But it serves more than a purpose of just taking action and getting somebody to say yes today. It's all about omnipresence. It's all about building it out and trying to find how can I get a hold of this person. Now, if I call you and leave you a voicemail, because you don't answer your phone typically. And then I send you an email saying, I left you a voicemail. And you don't respond to either of those. And I know that you're in the area and I stop by and you don't answer the door. You're not in the office. You're busy in a meeting. But I leave my business card and a brochure. Then I send you a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm hitting you in all the ways possible. The only other thing I could do is by chance run into you. But you have to hit all of the different methods of outbound sales. Too often people are like, I'm looking for a quick win. I want to put in just enough work 
to get me results. I'm not really willing at the end of the day to put in the work. I know I said that I will do everything possible. I know I said I'm going to hit my goals, but at the end of the day, I'm just lazy. I'm not willing to put in the work. Or you're going to tell me something to do and I'm just going to fight back and push back on it because I tried a little bit and it didn't work. I'm telling you it works. It works to whatever level you work it. You need to have it in your arsenal and your tools. You need to, I'm not saying everybody has to make 200 phone calls a day. That's probably unrealistic for most people, but you should be making some 20, 30, do it every single day for a month and tell me you didn't get anything from it. Even if you don't see a literal reaction to it, even if you don't see a literal somebody saying on the 200th call, on the 300th call, you book a discovery call, you book an RFQ, you get an appointment. What it does is it puts it out there that you're trying to be active and you're trying to get the brand out there. Not only your company brand, but your personal brand and your name. And eventually, the more that you do it and follow up with it and keep hitting the same people, you will find some way that they will respond to you. It could be through LinkedIn. It could be through a personal visit. It could be through email. It could be through a phone call. Maybe the seventh time that you call somebody and the seventh time you left voicemails over eight months. They finally say, you know what? I'm going to call this dude or this girl back because they've hit me up so many times. That is a 100% myth, but I'm here to tell you all straight to your face. Most of you are too lazy to do it. If you're telling me it doesn't work, I call bullshit. I've got data to support it. We offer it as a service for our clients, and people wouldn't be paying us if it didn't generate revenue. The second thing we're going to talk about is LinkedIn doesn't make you money. LinkedIn has been making businesses money for at least the last five years. LinkedIn was making me money seven, eight, nine years ago. Thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've made, I don't even know, at least a half million dollars on LinkedIn just in the past probably 12 months. Not like LinkedIn paying us, but we get opportunities from LinkedIn. If you're, again, if you're not putting in the work, you're not going to get anything in return. People think that like social media is just for HR, jobs, things like that. LinkedIn can make you a significant amount of money. Industrial manufacturing, any type of B2B sales, LinkedIn is where it's at from a standpoint of getting your company brand out there, getting your personal brand out there, connecting with people, and eventually engaging with them. Where LinkedIn will not make you money is I send you a connection request, you accept my connection request. I tell you, hey, this is what I do. You want to buy from me? That does not work. You have to build the connection, provide them with something of value. If anybody connects with me, typically we send them something like, hey, here's two videos we just shot. I thought you might want to know. Maybe it provides you value. Maybe it helps somebody that you know, but let me know. We don't strictly go into the kill. You have to give, give, give first, provide value. Then eventually, when you go in for that ask, ask for a meeting, ask for their time, which is most important of all, they're going to be more likely to do it. But LinkedIn is so massively powerful, but too often the veterans... The people that have been in the industry long enough are like, no, I don't mess around with that. It doesn't do anything. It does. LinkedIn now is what email was back in 2001 and 2002. LinkedIn now is what the manufacturer's directory, the ThomasNet book that they used to do back in the 90s and early 2000s. That was a goldmine of data. I can look at any company, any industry, address, phone number, do my cold visits. That's how we used to roll 20 years ago. That's how the veterans used to do it even before that in the 90s. And that was gold. That's what LinkedIn is right now. If you use it to all of the strategic resources that you can and the strategic methods, it could be extremely powerful. I'm not saying that Facebook and Instagram isn't powerful, but for this specific group, technical sales, industrial marketing, LinkedIn, it's where it's at. You have to build up your connections. 
You have to provide value. You have to engage with people. Then you have to say, hey, if you ever need something, go in on a soft sell. If you ever need something with your equipment, with your facilities maintenance, with your tooling, whatever it is, let me know or send it, say, hey, we just did this for this customer. Thought you might get some entertainment or some value out of it, but you got to be doing video. If you're not doing video or images and you're just creating long form posts, you're not going to get notice. LinkedIn is extremely powerful, but too often on calls with clients, in presentations, I'm giving to 20 salespeople over the last few years. They're like, no, I don't use it. I don't use it. I'll maybe get 10%, 20% of the room will say, yep, I use it every day. It's valuable. It's more important than my email. My LinkedIn messaging is more important than the emails that I get. That's what you can get it to. The third myth is going to be trade shows give the best leads. I'm sure I'm going to get some chuckles out of this one because I'm sure a lot of people are like, no way, dude. Trade shows don't give the best leads. You're right. But why is the industry still thinking that it does? Why are we having conversations with company over the last 12 months that are like, what's your trade show budget? My trade show budget is $275,000 a year. Why? Have you audited the return that you get on that? Have you really dug into the data? Because traditionally, trade shows used to work in the 2010 era and before. COVID happens, wipes them all off the face of the earth. Most salespeople and marketing people are like, I don't know what to do. Then you get out of COVID. Last year, they start opening things up. People are gung-ho to network and be social. 100% agree with that. But still, going into 2023, people are still like, dude, I'm doing eight trade shows a year. If you have data to support it in your specific situation, if you have data to support that the five, ten, twenty, fifty thousand $50,000, whatever it is that you're spending on a trade show works, provides you with a return, then keep doing it. You might be the exception, not the rule. But for the most part, People are investing too much time into trade shows. You can take that five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a small trade show where you're going to get a ten by ten booth and invest it into other marketing or sales tactics to get way better results. I was just meeting with somebody yesterday, a prospect, and he said he was at a trade show. He got thirty eight leads from one trade show, dude. That's what it used to be like thirty eight leads. And guess what? Six, nine, twelve months later, after that trade show, zero of them, or maybe one turn into an actual opportunity. Because at trade shows, a lot of times people are just there to network. You're not getting decision makers. You're not talking to people that actually have a need. They're just going out there to look at what's going on. Now, from a brand awareness standpoint, it makes sense for specific trade shows. If it's something that's local, if it's something that's big in your industry, going to one trade show, I always tell people, is the cost of doing business depending on the industry that you're in. But then being like, dude, I'm going to do eight of them. 10 of them, that's just being lazy and thinking that traditional marketing that used to work 10 years ago for industrial still works at the same rate. If you have the data to support it, keep doing it. But I'd say most of you don't. And if you did, then you would be blowing up the comments right now and being like, dude, you're a liar. So again, if it works for you and you got data to support it, great. I feel like most people don't even want, they're like looking at the data with like one eye closed because they don't really want to know because upper management's not really asking the hard questions, but like, hey, that $150,000 we spent on that trade show, what did it return? If it, if it was a 10X multiplier, great, keep doing it. But for the most part, it's not. The fourth point, following up two times is the most that I should do. That is a major myth. Too often salespeople become lazy with the follow-up. You have to follow up at least five, six, 10 times. We've had clients tell us no. This just happened two weeks ago. Hey, we love you guys. We can't do business with you. I never take no for an answer. If you guys follow Alex, my business development manager, 
on LinkedIn, you'll see that he did a raw video on it. You have to follow up. There's people that I've been following up with for three years and still haven't closed them. But at some point, somebody will give up. Either he'll give up saying no and ignoring me, or I'm going to give up and say, I don't want to waste my time with that person. I'm not saying be stupid with your follow-up and continue to follow up with people after there's no opportunity. But you can, on a regular basis, where you're following up with them daily, weekly, but you should at least be following up to some measure and some degree so that way they don't forget about you. You got to keep in mind, people that you're trying to sell to are busy. Things come up. Their budgets get changed. Meetings happen. Fires happen and they have to put them out and they lose their attention, and their distraction from whatever it is that you were talking to them about. But if you're not following up and doing it in different methods, not just sending the same email over and over and over again, want to follow up on this, see where you're at on this, send them a text message, give them a phone call, leave a voicemail, poke them on LinkedIn, stop by for a personal visit, send them something in the mail if you have to, to try and get response. Eventually they will respond to you. Like I said, either they're going to give up and respond to you from, they're going to give up ignoring you and respond to you, or you're going to give up and say, it's not worth my time. Even if they're not worth your time, put them in a nurture, poke them every four, five, six months, just checking in to see what's going on. Trade shows, people go to trade shows, they get 50 leads, they follow up once, they follow up twice, those things are dead. That's what happens most of the time because they don't realize that the money is in the follow-up. If I call you today and I don't get you, that doesn't mean that I don't call you again for six months. That's where you got to be careful with how big of a list are you going after. If you're going after 26,000 people and you're making 100 cold calls a day, you're going to exhaust yourself before you can circle back around and follow up with those people. You need to take everything in bites. You need to email in smaller groups. You need to make phone calls in smaller groups and really work those opportunities. Do a little bit more upfront research. Say, I know that they're in our wheelhouse. I don't know if they have a need. Continue to follow up with them. Once you've sent an RFQ, a proposal, then they don't respond back to you. Follow up with them. You may be thinking like, oh, if they really want to do business with me, they would respond. No. Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, they're just distracted in daily work and life. So you need to continue to follow up. Never give up. The money is in the follow-up. Follow up until your fingers bleed or until they say, dude, stop calling me. It's a definite no. Then you can stop. But never stop until then. The last one is going to be, and I hear salespeople talk about this all the time, my quota is unrealistic. What my management told me I should do is unrealistic. That is a myth. The part that's unrealistic is your willingness to put in the work to reach that quota. If I was a technical sales manager like I was before, and I told somebody, I need you to do $2.7 million worth of business this year, and you don't have really anything that's going to be remotely massive towards getting to that goal in your current pipeline, I've had salespeople do, say, dude, that's unrealistic. No. What's unrealistic is your mindset. What's unrealistic is your willingness to put in the work. It is very realistic. You can get that in one deal. You can get that in 10 deals. But if it takes 10 times that amount of effort to get those 10 deals and you're not willing to put in that effort, you're never going to reach the quota. That's why I always try and set monthly goals, annual goals for not only my own internal team, but also teams that we work with and clients of ours outside of the reach. You don't want to make it to where it's easily reachable. If every deal to your company, you're selling equipment, and every deal is on average $300,000. And based on last year, you could close 10 deals a year then it would be easy for me to say, hey, your goal is $3 million this year or your goal is $3.2 million. That's only pushing them slightly outside of what's norm. But salespeople typically don't want to put in the work. 
So if your boss gives you a quota, you need to try and make the quota larger, in my opinion. If somebody says, do bring in a million dollars worth of business, my goal as a salesperson is to bring in four or five. I want to multiply the goal. Because if I'm just doing enough to hit quotas, then I'm never going to stand out. At the end of the day, most of you guys are getting paid commission on this. Don't you want to make more money? Money doesn't solve all problems, but it makes things easier. Now, I'm not saying you should work 100 hours a week, forget about the family that you have, be on the road traveling, do things that you don't want to do, but you can be smart with your time and go after opportunities and blow that quota out of the water and have that best year ever. And then once you have that best year ever, make the next year even better. Don't worry about, oh, well, if I do too much and if I blow the quota out of the water, then they're going to raise my quota next year. Yeah, you should, your quota should be way larger than what your bosses want you to do. Like you, if you want to stand out. Now, if you want to be complacent, if you want to just go along to get along and just do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're not getting fired, then take that path. And most likely the content that I produce is not going to be a good fit for you. But if you're looking to stand out, if you're looking to bring opportunities to you, if you're looking to make a life for yourself that is truly remarkable in your own opinion, based on what your goals are, you need to have the quota higher. You need to go and do more than what's expected of you to produce bigger results. And who doesn't like that? Who doesn't like being the, the highest salesperson in the room? I mean, we're all competitive, right? I've been on teams of 150 salespeople. I want to be the best. I want to be the loudest. I want to bring in the most revenue. I want to make the most profit for the business. Not because I want the attention, but just because I know that I could outwork everybody there. Attention helps, and all of the pats on the back helps, but I know that all those people are my competition. I know that I could outwork every single one of them, Then I want to prove that with my actions and not just say it with my words, saying I'm going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to crush it. And then you don't, guess what? Next time you say that, nobody's going to believe you. All right, guys, that rounds out the top five technical sales myths. Now, there are a ton. There's probably 100. I'm going to hit you up with a part two. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and check that video out. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got value out of it, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with one person you know. And if you can, leave me a review because it really helps me out. If you want to check out my other content, go over to YouTube. I've got a channel over there as well as find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook under my name, Kyle Mylan. I will see you on the next one.